Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for being here with us this morning in our service. We thank you for the the message that you have for us today. Uh, let us have open ears and let us have open hearts to receive whatever it is you have for us today, Father. We thank you and we love you. In your name we ask all these things, Jesus. Amen. I'll tell you, this this worship service has been good today, hasn't it? The Spirit of God is here. God is coming soon. And He is preparing us. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the, the message has just flowed from beginning to end so well today. Uh, I want to talk about sin today. I want to talk about the sin problem. We as Christians can can kind of, you know, as we as we go out into the world, we can almost become comfortable and say that, you know, a little sin is okay because, you know, after all, we can't be perfect, right? So how much sin should we tolerate as Christians? Well, uh, I want to start out by telling a story I've told before. Um, I believe some of you have heard it. I heard it at Seeds Conference last year. Uh, it's about a little boy named Danny. Uh, Danny was outside with this couple, a couple of friends that he had, and they were they just got done playing some kind of game, and they were getting bored, and and they got to talking about the new action movie that was out. And uh, uh, they they're getting all excited about it. And one of them's like, "Hey, it's playing right down the road. Let's go. Let's go check it out." So uh, Danny's like, "Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Let me go ask my mom real quick." He says, "Hey, mom, um, we're gonna go watch uh, the new action movie that's out. Is that all right?" And uh, mom says, "Oh, okay. Um, what's uh, is there any violence in this in this action movie?" Danny says. Oh, yeah, there's some, there's just a little bit. And uh, then uh, she says, okay, well, uh, what about uh, violence uh, or cursing? I- is there any uh, cursing in this in this action movie? And he said, uh, a little bit, but, but not much. Can I go? And she says, well, okay, uh, before you go, though, I want to fix you and your friend some brownies. All right, so he says, okay, thanks, Mom. So he runs out, and they start playing some new games there. They're getting ready to go watch this action movie, and they're all excited. So uh, Mom, she she gets the box out of the uh, cabinets and pours it in there, adds the ingredients. She's mixing it all up, and as she's mixing, she uh, she goes outside, gets a little extra ingredient. She goes and picks up some of Fido's poop and uh, uh, drops it. Drop it, drops it in the mixing bowl and stirs it all up. And, oh, she pours it in the baking pan, sticks it in the oven, and uh, Danny, Danny and his little friends, they come in. Oh, man, you, did, you outdid yourself this time, Mom. It smells good. So they, they all sit down. She cuts them up, cuts them off a piece, puts it on a plate, sets it down in front of them. They're getting ready to dig in, and she says, before you eat, I just want to let you know that uh, I added a little extra something. I went and got just a little bit of Fido's poop and dropped in there. 
And they're like, oh, Danny's friends are looking at Danny and say, oh, why would you do that, Mom? That's gross. I don't want to eat any of Fido's poop. And she says, a little bit of bad can ruin a whole lot of good. I think for us as Christians today to to um, realize just how much sin should be tolerated, uh, we have to go back to the beginning and see what exactly did sin cost. So, uh, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We're going to be reading a lot in, in chapter 3, but I'm going to need some help with something. Johnny and Johanna. Now, I've got to look at my notes for this, but I see that your Sabbath school teachers have been working with you on uh, uh, the days of creation. I'm sure you've learned about it at home, too, so I bet you guys might be able to tell me what God created on the first day of the week. What was it? Light. Okay, that's good. Now what about the second day? Yeah, air, sky. Yeah, that's good. All right. Now what about the third day? It's round. Or no, no, it's not round. Say I'm I mixed up too. It's green. Yeah, the grass, the trees. Now the fourth day. The animals. That's right. The planets. Now the fifth day. Yes, fish and the birds. That's right. What about the, well, uh, the sixth day? Uh, animals. Animals and people. That's right. Good job. So, on the first day, God created. And he said it was, what, what did you say it was this morning, Mary? It's good. That's right. God created the first day and it was good. He created the second day and it was good. Third day and it was good. So on and so forth. All the way on down to the last day and he said it was very good. When God says it's good, it's perfect. Can't get any better. Now, did, did God, uh, did he love Adam and Eve? Absolutely. They were perfect. They were easy to love. I imagine I would be easy to love if I was perfect, right? <laughs> but uh okay, so so what does God what does God do when he he loves? How do we know that God loved Adam and Eve? What does he do when he loves? 
God gives when He loves. And what did He give Adam and Eve? He gave them His own image. He gave them dominion over the fish of the sea. He gave them rulership over the birds of the air, rulership over the animals. He gave them everything perfect that you could think of to eat. And then, He gave them a garden. He didn't stop with all these other things. He could have, but He gave them a garden. Can you imagine a garden planted by God Himself? How beautiful would that be? Can we imagine what that would look like? I don't think we can. What, is, uh, what does Paul say? It's in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Eye has not seen, nor ear has, nor has come into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those who love Him. It was It was beautiful. It was perfection. He gave them everything they could ever want, everything they could ever ask for. So, Genesis 3, verse 1. Let's read that and see what what happens here. Genesis 3, verse 1. Um, What did Satan do to deceive Eve? It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What's Satan doing here? Satan? Yeah, he's trying to get her to forget about all these things that God has just given them. Absolutely everything that they would ever want and ever need. He's saying forget about forget about that. And look at this, this one thing. Look at this one thing that God is withholding from you and trying to make it look good. Does Satan still do that today? This is the same deception that he used to deceive the angels. And this is the strongest deception that he has for us today as well. That God is withholding something from us that's good. Don't look at all these gifts. Don't look at everything God wants you to have. Look at what you're missing out on. Look at this fun stuff. Now, Eve, she, uh, she's to see. She takes the fruit and she eats it. She takes it back to Adam and Adam eats it. And let's, let's look at what happened, what happens next. What, what does, what does sin do after God came to them and, and, and said, uh, Did you eat of the fruit which I told you not to eat? Adam says in uh, Genesis 3 verse 12, Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Yeah, what, what's going on here? Adam just got done telling Eve, Oh, I can't think about spending another moment without you. I, I, I can't take it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and accept your fate. 
And now he's just pushed her under the bus. Sorry, honey. Gotta go. It's all her fault. Sinful, selfish human nature has just entered in. That's an interesting question. Would he have done the same plan of salvation just for Eve? So does God? Does God love sinners? Absolutely. Y'all can y'all can relax. Now I've seen some of y'all get tense when I said, "Does God love perfect people?" Surely He's not going to say God only loves perfect people. God loves sinners too. We're all sinners. In fact, there's not the worst, vilest person out there. God loves them just as much as He loves the the person who's busting the doors down into the church every Wednesday, every Saturday, every Sunday. Now, how do we know? How do we know that God loves sinners? How do we know even this early that God loves sinners? Because God could not bear the thought of Adam even leaving the garden without hope, without a light at the end of the tunnel. Because He gives the first promise of a Redeemer here in Genesis 3.15. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here's the first promise of a Redeemer to humanity. And then, let's skip down to verse 21. It says, Also, for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. I believe that this was the very first sacrifice. You know why I think that? I think because I think that because if you think about Cain and Abel what was what was their issue their issue was Abel's sacrifice was accepted Cain's sacrifice was not Abel brought a spotless lamb from the flock Cain brought the works of his hands can the works of our hands save anybody no and the angel said Cain, why is your countenance fallen? If you do not, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? John, John chapter nine verse forty-one, I believe, says, "If you were blind, Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains." Cain knew what was right because Adam told him what was the requirement. And God told Adam. I imagine that there was sadness in paradise that day. 
as the angels first heard that commander was to give his life for the sins of humanity. As Adam, as Adam picked up that little lamb that had no doubt followed him, trusted him, to feed him, to lead him to water, as he picked up that little lamb, carried him to the sacrifice, to the to the altar, and took the life, the first life. This this little animal that had once been full of life, full of joy was now just a limp body. And in that lamb, he saw his creator. What his creator would have to do because of the sin that he had committed. Because God loves that much. God loves sinners that much. So, Adam, Adam and Eve, what was, what was their judgment? God said, dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So they had to leave the garden, and that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. And this became an even more real Even, 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 even a more real understanding came to Adam as he saw his kids and he saw his grandkids following after the, the hatred of Satan. As he saw the two groups that became separated, one were followers of God and one were followers of Satan. And then the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful. And they married them. And what happened not long after that? The thoughts of men became evil continually. But there was one man, one man the Bible calls righteous. The Bible says was perfect among his generations. Who was that? Noah. Now, the Bible calls Noah perfect. Does that mean he never? Does that mean he never uh, drunk too much wine and got indecent in his tent? What about what about Elijah? Did did he not, uh, in a moment of uh, lack of faith, run from an angry woman? And, and and then what about? But yet he got taken to heaven in a fiery chariot. And then what about, uh, I've got one more here, I can't think of them. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. The Bible says they were righteous, says they were perfect. But Zechariah was chastised for his lack of faith and believing that God could not make his elderly wife pregnant. So what the Bible calls perfect Actually, just means their habit was perfect. That was that was their that was their normal normal life was to do what was right to follow the laws of God. 
uh, and I think what it really means is either we're overcoming sin or sin is overcoming us. There's, there's no riding the fence. The Holy Spirit will come and will say, Hey, hey, hey John, we need to get off drugs. We need to get you off drugs. And with the power of the blood of Jesus, John gets off drugs. And that's, that's a miracle. And John's like, yes, I'm off drugs. Praise the Lord. And the Holy Spirit says, John, hey, hey, John, now it's time to deal with that, that alcohol problem. Let's help you get over your alcohol addiction. John says, yes, I, I'm off drugs. Praise the Lord. Holy Spirit says, hey, John, that alcohol problem, still off drugs. John, hey, John, what about that alcohol? Man, so glad I'm off drugs. been a long time since I had any drugs. And that's how the Holy Spirit works with us. If we continue to not listen, we will eventually be overcome instead of being overcomers. Then we've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who the promise was given. Through you, the Messiah is the kind. All the earth will be blessed through you. And then this promise was fulfilled in 27 A.D. when John was standing on the banks of the River Jordan. And he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And the Jews are thinking, How is he going to take away the sin of the world? You know, they were looking for this Messiah. They already had a picture of what the Messiah was going to do. Oh, I know how he's going to take away the sin of the world. He's going to lop off the head of the Romans and restore the kingdom to Israel. Right? They had become so disconnected that they actually thought forgiveness could be found in the blood of an animal. That's why Jesus had to give them these little wake-up calls. Like in John 5, 39, he says, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they that testify of me. He's saying, yeah, you know the story, but you miss the story because the story is about me. That lamb is me. And then the time came for sin the price of sin, to be paid. Turn with with me to Matthew 26, verses 36. What does sin cost? Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go. And pray over there. And he took with him Peter 
and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further, fell on his face. What's going on here? I don't don't know what kind of personal picture. Everybody's got their own personal Jesus. I don't know what kind of personal picture you have of Jesus. But the picture I have of Jesus, he was not a boring person. He was not a stiff person. But he was always dignified. He was always under control. So what's going on here? Jesus is just fell on his face. We can find the answer in the relationship that Jesus had with his Father. And it can best be described in the Greek word agape. Agape love. We in the English language have murdered the word love. We say that Uh, we love the color maroon. And then we'll say that uh, we love our spouse as well. Same word for the same, same situation. Greek words, they don't do that. Agape is the highest form of love possible. Agape love is unconditional and serves regardless of the situation. And this is a love relationship that Jesus had with His Father. John 1.18 says, No one has seen God at any time. Only the begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father has declared Him. This is the relationship Jesus had with the Father. In the bosom of the Father. Jesus, Jesus could always say, John 8.29, And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do things that please Him. John 10.30 I and my Father are one. Jesus had a relationship with the Father that no one else could have had. Let me establish this just for a minute. In Leviticus 16, verse 2, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and a ram as a burnt offering. In the sanctuary there was three three places, there was a courtyard, there was a holy place, and then there was the most holy place. In the most holy place, the presence, the undiluted presence of God was there. And only one time a year could one man go into the most holy place. And the whole camp had to be in a repentant state of mind. And in order for Aaron to enter, in order for the high priest to enter into the holy place, he had to bring with him a sin offering. Because God cannot be in the presence of sin. Because of the sinless life of Jesus, He could continually be in the undiluted presence of God. 
But he who knew no sin became sin for us. And because of that sin, that sin that I committed, that sin that you committed, that little sin, that big sin, that sin of the world, because of that sin, God had to turn His back on His Son. He had to take away the divine light that had always shone on Jesus. And it killed him. Jesus could not handle the separation from his father. In fact, if we go on reading in Matthew, it says that he came and he prayed a prayer. He said, Lord, if if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thy will. He came to his disciples and he came back and he prayed again. The same prayer. If I pray and I ask God to find me a job, next day I find a job, I don't pray that prayer anymore. Jesus went back three times to pray the same prayer because He received not a word from His Father. How can we return the love that God has given to us? The only way. We, we can never, we, we, we really can never return the love that God has given us. We can never repay the gift. But God said in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And there's more than ten. There's 11. So remember, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. Love the world as I have loved the world. Can we do that? Is that possible? Can we love like Jesus loved? I'm a firm believer in that promise. Quote it with me. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm sure all of you probably feel the same way I do. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And through the power of the blood of Jesus, we can be overcomers. Gracious Heavenly Father, the temptations of Satan are nothing to us when we have an understanding of what sin is, the malignancy of sin. And we can become overcomers through the power of the blood of Christ Jesus. We thank you for the power that you offer to us if we will only take it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the gift that you gave. In your name we ask these things, Jesus. Amen.